Welcome to another episode of The Photo Bug, and here are your hosts, Jim and Fred. Hi, and welcome to the final podcast of 2022. This is our end of the year podcast. Yep. Uh, I'm Jim. Well, I'm Fred, of course. Yeah. Well, of course. If I wasn't Fred, I'd be somebody else. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> that was deep, wasn't it? Yes. And no matter where you like go, there you are, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we should get into the news. Yeah, we don't, we, there's not much news for the end well, of the year, but we, no. we've got a couple of things here. We've got some things to talk about. Yeah, but we let's, got, let's go ahead and start we're going to do is kind of a news and review. There you go. and review. There you go. All right. Well, starting it out, DaVinci Resolve for iPad is now available. The app, which is optimized for M1 and M2 powered iPad Pro models, promises desktop class video editing. Basically, it's got the whole book. I mean, the whole setup tool set, I guess, that you can use on Apple's higher end tablets. Yeah, I haven't tried it, but uh, I'm not. So if you don't have one of the higher end tablets, supposedly it won't work very well. Yeah, uh, I'm not that keen to editing on my iPad. Yeah, uh, some people do it. Yeah. So. Well, Rico has announced it's starting the Film Camera Project, which is an initiative designed to gauge the interest and viability of producing a new Pentex film camera. Really? Yeah. Interesting. If that film was, uh, I guess it's going to retro. Well, that's all we got in the news, but I, like I said, I thought we would go ahead yeah. and do some of the stories from this previous year that we picked out and thought were interesting. So I'll let you start. Okay. I do want to say one thing about Pentax. That's interesting mm-hmm. that, that film is being developed and a camera, possibly, uh, film camera, for that purposes. I wonder if mm-hmm. Pentax is trying to fill niches. Film, also, they, may, they put out a new DSLR. So, yeah. holy cow, you know? Maybe they are seeing some things that the rest of us don't. Be yeah, one of my see. first cameras was back in the days was a Pentex. It was a Honeywell. Mm. It was a Honeywell Pentex. Wow. Back in the way, back in back the days. Back when Honeywell's name meant something. Yeah. Oh, that's, I'm going to get in trouble for that one, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right, well, <clears throat> Canon hasn't really come out and said it. They're kind of keeping quiet about it. But according to a third-party lens manufacturer, Viltrox, they basically have all but confirmed what has been suspected since Canon launched the Canon ES, EOS R four years ago. Third-party lens manufacturers will not be able to use Canon's RF mount AF protocols unless they can somehow reverse engineer them without using Canon's intellectual property. Mm. This effectively turns the RF mount into a closed system. That is, if you want all the technological advantages it offers, aside from the larger mount and shorter flange distance. It is also uh, a stark comparison to Nikon, who appears to have had some kind of partnership with Tamron, who is producing at least some of Nikon's more entry-level lens offerings, such as the Nikkor Z28-75 f2.8. Yeah, we've heard that for years. I remember our friend Jim Shadle said that that Tamron manufactured some of, uh, some some of the Nikon, Nikon. So some of the yeah. Nikon under the Nikon, Nikon label yeah. is being done for but that's not unusual sensors were basically being done by one company well, and Sony, all the other yeah, yeah. So, not anymore but no it was for the longest yeah. time well talk about this next yeah piece. well going in back to Apple Apple's M1 chipset has already been revealed in three different configurations it's got the M1 the M1 Pro and the M1 Max but Apple took its first generation chipset to the next level with the release of the M1 Ultra 
inside of the company's pro-oriented Mac Studio desktop. And I don't use the Mac, but I've heard really impressive things about the new M1 chipset and uh, well, this was capabilities. A, you know, we're talking about news over that happened over to, uh, 2022, over yep. the year. So they've had these out for a while. Uh, I don't think a lot of people have... I don't know. Have people really noticed this, especially photographers? Because I do know some people like to edit well, on their iPad. Adobe. No, this is not the iPad. This, is, this is on is their Adobe. desktops. Yes. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. The Adobe apparently um, previously um, only supported the uh, NVIDIA. Right. The GeForce. Well, now, now they're going that with they're, the M1, M2. Well, the M1s, right. which they have specific. And the same thing with some of the 3D programs like Blender. Well, I, now supporting right. the M1 Well, I think Apple's just, having to yeah. look at what's going on around them. There are a lot of good competitors out there in, you know, mm -hmm. photographic software as well as uh, image software outside of the photographic realm. It's just well, we interesting to see. AI. Yes, IE. Yeah, IE. Well, Google's Imagine IE produces <laughs> photorealistic images from natural text. This, of course, with frightening fidelity. And this was one of the first IE stories we published in a year dominated by public availability and mainstream adoption of various AI-powered image creation services, such as Midjourney, DALI, Stable Diffusion, and there's many others. Mm -hmm. So with these new tools comes an array of questions surrounding copyrights, ethics, and more, which should be extra interesting as the law surrounding these issues and tools could take quite a bit of time to catch up. As it stands, 2023 is shaping up to be an interesting one for the world of photorealistic AI-generated art. Yeah, I Fred and I careful. have been kind of uh, skeptical in some regards because what these things are, the programs are doing, and I guess artists do the same thing, really, but they're basing it on artwork that's already out on the Internet. You know, you put the text base in it, they go out there and search and then put these quite interesting images together the trouble is is it really art because it's being artificially right. produced and um, I don't know and what does it have to uh, how does it affect copyrights right and are you using yeah. the engine to actually produce something unique that would be that artist's or that person's well, work or is it just somebody going oh look I could throw this together I'm as good as any artist or any photographer well that's the more important thing is what does this going to do for real art I mean since it's based upon existing artwork if nobody's producing any more new artwork because uh, you can't get work because the AI is taking it over what's it going to base on in the future mm, that should <laughs> is be interesting AI going to be smart enough to be able to actually create I don't know i Skeptical. Hmm. Well, did you know a one-inch sensor isn't actually one inch across diagonally? And uh, I don't know if you knew that uh, generally when they measure these, they measure the diagonal, not the width of the height. Despite what many marketing departments claim, compact sensor sizes almost never reflect the physical size of the sensor being used due to the naming nomenclature being used on the diameter of the Viticon tube that they could be substituted for. So it's because that so was... So it's based it, off of something own. else as far as the size. Yeah, basically. Hmm. So. Well, while neither Canon nor Nikon have explicitly stated that they're no longer spending resources researching and developing new DSLR camera systems, the writing's pretty much on the wall, as mm -hmm. we talked about at an earlier date. And it has been for quite a while. 
Uh, sure, there are stockpiles of DSLRs that will continue to be sold, and hopefully, I you know, some people would say likely. I would have to say likely at discounted rates because I haven't really seen that happen yet. Yeah. Well, actually, I have. The, oh, well, that's the cool. DSLRs are starting to fall right. as more and more companies move into. I've only seen one or two Fred models. and I are now. Uh, yeah, we're doing mirrorless. And my understanding that our friend Jim Burnham has contacted and said that he was thinking about moving into the mirrorless world. So. I mean, we like what it offers, but I'm not going to say the DSLR should be something that we just throw away. Mm-hmm. I still have my DSLR cameras. I did, them. but when I used it here recently in New Mexico, right, I felt hampered. I felt that it. Yeah. I got so used to the... Uh, viewfinder having the histogram and the things that I uh, needed in there, and that was total lacking in the DSL. Plus, interestingly enough, the viewfinder was not as clear. I mean, it just appeared to be dimmer than my, which is just the opposite of what I would have right. thought. And but, it's, it, I, I agree with you, Jim. I feel it's funny because when I use my mirrorless, I feel like I'm cheating. Mm-hmm. And when I go back and use my DSLR body, I say, wait a minute, where's this feature? Where, and yep. then, so it's really kind of strange. Uh, I'm going to be trying to use them a lot more side by side in the coming year. So we will see if, uh, and I'll come back and talk about it, and you can share the same, if we will be able to adapt ourselves to both worlds. Yeah, well, I don't think we're going to make the same mistake we did when we talked about uh, digital because neither Fred and I thought, we thought it was going to be decades away, and boy, it yeah. <laughs> hit fast. Hit fast. Well, I think mirrorless is going to be the same bottom thing. Bottom line, I think the major gonna... camera factor manufacturers, with the exception of Pentax, as we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. that really the days of DSLR are going to be a thing of the past. Yep. You know, we I don't want to predict too quickly. I still think there's going to be uh, a, a market that wants to stay with the DSLR. They don't like the mirrorless for whatever reason, and yeah, there could be several. Still people that like the retro, they're still using film. And look at well, that was one I think where people are jumping out. back and then they go to their DSLR and they go back to film. Interesting thing between those two types of cameras, the differences I don't think are as acute, mm. uh, it, with the exceptions that you can really see what you have captured on a DSLR much more quickly. I'll tell you what's really you interesting is the first cameras that you and I got were actually mirrorless. The OM-10, uh, the OM, what was it? The, uh, it was an Olympus. Right, the and Olympus. It, it, was a, it was a mirrorless camera, basically. It did not have a, uh, a DSLR mirror in it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I remember that. I think it was three megapixel. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. That was our first foray into the world of... Mm-hmm digital well with the logistics of hdr delivery continuing to be hamstrung due to hardware manufacturers oftentimes confusing standards it's clear high dynamic range imaging editing and sharing are on the horizon and adobe has just released an update to the adobe camera raw that shows off potential of hdr image editing revealing a whole new world of possibilities should hardware and standards actually catch up so and I know some of the newer OLED screens on computers now have kind of an a DSLR. HDR, which gives you an Excuse expanded me, an HDR type range. standard. Yeah. But as, as Jim just said, the standards are kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of photographers have realized that they can take a single image instead of multiples and get the saturation they want and uh, some of the HDR-ish effect 
yeah. by the way they set that camera well, and what they do in their post. It's like our phones, the HDR mode in the phones have that capability. Right, really. the, the camera software in there will let you do it. But and it's, it's a, being built into the... And I think that's what's uh, the camera kind of, bodies now. They're putting that as part of the, the firmware in there. Is you can have a true HDR setting. Right. That's why I think HDR has right. kind of lost its luster because people just didn't want to spend all that time processing all those different images. Although the the look that it did, also the fact that it's really only good for architectural or landscapes. It really has limited. Well, I agree. It can't be a moving object. I I use right. it on other things such as plants. Mm -hmm. I use it on still uh, life. Still life, yeah. yeah. I, I do, we'll do still life with it. And I agree with you, it's not really good for uh, yeah, moving got, objects well, out there. If you've got insects, if you've got yeah, birds, like I was or, doing or the, the birds at uh, yeah. uh, Bosca dell'Apache, there's no way I could do HDR. They're just moving way too fast. So uh, those cameras would have to capture each frame at uh, tens of thousands of a second in order to reason. Yeah, that's understandable, so. you know. And really, um, it's there's a limitation to it at the same time. The detail, Jim and I, th and I both, I think, agree that the detail and, and the saturation, mm -hmm. and you can have anything from very photorealistic to gritty all the way to surrealistic, and I've always enjoyed that. So I try to use it when I can. Yeah. Uh, and what got me all fired up is that before now, the camera bodies I used, you could only do three well, images. Yes. And now with the mirrorless, you can, the bracketing. Well, no, actually, that's not true. The DSLRs, my 5D, my 7D went up to nine. Yours frames. did, yeah. but mine didn't. Yeah. I had the original 7, and then I had the 80D, and they only let you do the three. You could do two. What I would do is two separate bracket sets, yep. but then I had to throw away one of them. But then you so had the my five. issue of uh, you had to process those, so I think right. that's what. And now that the fact, and the fact that the monitors we've got are not true HDRs, and if you're printing them out or putting them out on the web, you're not going to get HDR anyway. It may be an HDR look, but it's not true HDR. Anyway, we can debate this for. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> one of those things where uh, it's been. A, some people have hated it, and one of the first people we uh, interviewed on the podcast was Trey Ratcliffe, who was kind of the grandfather, we'll call it, of HDR. So. All right, well, that's all the uh, we got for newsy stuff. 2022, and we're looking forward to 2023. And what I thought I would do, we're going to kind of take a break. And um, since I just returned from New Mexico, and I think our previous podcast we had the Bosco del Apache. Years ago, I went to an area which is two hours from Bosque or Socorro, which is White Sands in New Mexico. In fact, that's right near where the first atomic bomb blast went out, which I think there's one or two days a year which they actually will take visitors out to where that bomb, and there's a movie coming out here, Oppenheimer, which is about this story of the first atomic bomb blast. And um, so what we thought I would do is bring that out of the vault because it's never been on our YouTube channel. And uh, so the White Sands. Also, I wanted to mention something else that uh, this year we were in um, Iceland. And if you go back to the podcast uh, a few weeks ago on uh, Iceland, we went to the Viking village. Well, I just saw a Netflix 
film uh, or a series that's out right now called The Witcher Blood Origins. And watching says, wait a minute, that's the Viking village. They photographed or filmed part of that. One of the sequences in there is from the Viking village. So if you want to go back and look at that uh, Iceland, you see the Viking village, a little bit more of it that you see in the series. Anyway, let's go to New Mexico to White Sands. White Sands is definitely an interesting place, great for sunrises, sunsets, and all that beautiful white sand. And you can walk across that on the hottest day, and because that sand is uh, the silica, I can't remember with the base, it doesn't get hot. It's really interesting. So, hey, 2023, here we come. 
you know, hopefully things will go well for you and yeah. you will get your chances at great shutter time. I really do. And we hope, hope uh, those for everybody. friends of ours in uh, Buffalo and in Colorado and the various all areas. All the states that, that got hit, the Dakotas storm. Wow. that got hit by all the winter weather. And yeah. They're still trying to dig out. I think the biggest problem in the New York areas and that part of the country mm-hmm. is the melting snow may cause flooding. Yep. Uh, I was thinking about that for my our Dakota friends, yeah. and it seems like uh, they have a little bit better uh, method. They will try to take that snow and put it out in open areas where it can melt and they need the moisture. Right, yeah. So, they, uh, although uh, I could be wrong now, if any of, any of my friends from Buffalo. the Rapid City area are saying, well, no, we worry about flooding when the snow belts as well, let us know about that. Uh, what I had seen in the, in the past is that uh, any snow that accumulated of large amounts you're able to bulldoze front end load whatever and take that out of the area and like i said into open field areas and let it melt there where it would hopefully soak into a very parched ground because they did have uh some fairly dry weather the last couple of years well i know buffalo had uh, not only strength with amounts of snow and cold 70 mile an hour winds too that well it was was definitely blizzard type stuff and we a lot of our friends in those parts of the country experienced it i'm glad if you stayed off the roads did the right thing stayed home we appreciate and thank you for those of you who got messed up with travel well i i empathize at the same time you knew the job was dangerous when you took it. What you want to do is dig out your cameras, and get out <laughs> there, there and chase those elusive images because... Anytime <laughs> you can get shutter time, it's always a great time. And with that, we'll see you next time on The, the Photo, Photo Bug. Bug. That's it for this episode of The Photo Bug. Be sure to check out our Facebook page. And please check out and subscribe to The Photo Bug YouTube channel.